Cuban culture in general, right? Uh, very hardworking people, uh, very driven, very entrepreneurial, you know? So, um, in fact, uh, people like to say uh, Miami is what it is today because of, you know, um, in portion, right? You know, there's been a lot of immigration from a lot of the states and, and abroad, but the Cuban influx in the 60s really kind of lit Miami on fire. Uh, and, and that would have been Havana, right, if, if people had not come over here. And, uh, and what I like to say, a couple of years ago, I went to uh, Cartagena in Colombia on the coast. Mm. And to me, that would have been uh, what Havana would have been today. It has a, Cartagena has a historic city, and then it has the amazing skyscrapers, 40, 50-story skyscrapers uh, adjacent to the historic city. So all of that energy came to Miami with the Cuban entrepreneurs, you know, that uh, lit up uh, Miami. Let's get into it. So, Rick, all I'm actually like, stay close, you know, talk to the mic. Okay. It's going to be an important thing. So, we're going to have open conversation about the process okay. of building a business, family, ups and downs. Yes. I know a lot of people um, get into business and they don't really get to hear the real part of yes. building a business. And, you know, in the process. So, today we have Rick Gonzalez. Are you the second? Um, I'm a junior. You're a junior? I'm a junior. Okay, um, let's get into it, Rick. So okay. Rick is the owner of REG Architects. Yeah, that's Architects. it. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually had an experience where I hired him when I build hired the firm to help build Cafe Hub, the cafe I used to own. So mm-hmm. I want to, but I want to get a little. I want to start from the beginning, Rick. Um, born and raised where? I uh, I was born in Cuba. Uh, my parents are Cubans and, um, they left, uh, with me as a baby when I was three months old in a suitcase from Havana. Okay. When, uh, Cuba turned communist with Castro back in, uh, 1961 mm-hmm. and raised, uh, raised in Miami most of my life. Uh, then my, my dad was an architect too. He was my former partner and, um, he took a stint in Costa Rica doing projects in the seventies. Wow. So I did high school in Costa Rica. Um, and then when I came back in the early eighties, I went to college up in, uh, DC, uh, Catholic university. And then in 85, I graduated and I came back to South. I love South Florida. I miss mm. South Florida. It's too cold up North. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, but I didn't want to go to Miami. I felt there was not a lot of opportunities. I've always been, uh, entrepreneurial spirit. My father had his own business. And so I thought, where can I go in South Florida where, I could be at the time I used to say a big fish in a small pond versus a small fish in a big pond in Miami. Right. Mm -hmm. So I landed here in West Palm in 1985 and three years later, uh, in 1988, I opened up, uh, REG architects with my dad. He was working with another company. I asked them to join me and help me launch our company. So before we get all the way in, I want to talk about, um, your upbringing. So growing up when your parents came to this country, was it with you and your siblings or just? <clears throat> At the beginning, it was just me. Uh, believe it or not, I have six siblings, three brothers and three sisters. Wow. So I'm the oldest of seven. Um, we lived, uh, we did live in Atlanta for a short while. My brother, Ed, uh, was born there. 
And then, uh, then we moved quickly to Miami where he worked for several architects before opening up his own business. So he's in the business also. He was in the business too. Yes. So he had his own business, architectural business, uh, back in the late sixties and early seventies. Mom and dad in the home. Uh, dad passed away a month and a half ago. No, before I'm talking oh, about the sorry. beginning. Yeah. Well, oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. Don't go there yet. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to say, I want, I want to know more at the beginning. Yes. Like. Um, uh, that is, yes, my mom. And in fact, they worked together. My mom would help him with the bookkeeping wow. um, and help him uh, with the front office. How, how was it growing up in a home with entrepreneurs? It was pretty interesting. You know, uh, they worked hard and late sometimes. I remember um, I remember fondly uh, growing up in Miami um, in uh, on Flagler. There was an after school program. Very interesting program because it was a place that uh, church related. But they taught about the, uh, for immigrants, they taught about the history and the culture and uh, of Cuba. So we'd go there like from three to six. And sometimes it was 637 and, you know, they'd pick us up late and uh, we'd be one of the last ones because they were working. You know, so, uh, but always, you know, always there for us, always taking care of us, which the, is important. The pride that you guys, you know, I know a lot of prideful Cubans. Mm -hmm. Um, when you guys moved to Miami, was that pride still there or is that, is that a normal thing for Cuban culture? You know, it's interesting, right? Um, uh, I think Cuban culture in general, right? Uh, very hardworking people, uh, very driven, very entrepreneurial, you know? So, um, in fact, uh, people like to say, um, uh, Miami is what it is today because of, you know, um, in portion, right? You know, there's been a lot of immigration from a lot of the States and, and abroad, but, the Cuban influx in the sixties really kind of lit Miami on fire. Uh, and, and that would have been Havana, right? If, if people had not come over here. And, uh, and what I like to say a couple of years ago, I went to uh, Cartagena in Colombia on the coast. Mm -hmm. And to me, that would have been uh, what Havana would have been today. It has a Cartagena has a historic city and then it has the amazing skyscrapers, 40, 50 story skyscrapers uh, adjacent to the historic city. So, all of that energy came to Miami with the Cuban entrepreneurs, you know, that uh, lit up uh, Miami. How, how was that um, growing up to see the community? Was it a lot of coming together? Was it a lot of building? Like, how, how was the community in Miami growing up? Um, I thought it was uh, it was an interesting change in, in perspective, right? Because you come from a different culture, a different language. Uh, so you're, you know, you come to Miami as, uh, you know, I did my school, my schooling, my uh, middle school, early school in downtown. We lived on the road section of Miami in a, in a little small uh, Catholic school, St. Peter and St. Paul, kind of like the one that used to be here in, in Riviera Beach, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and they would help you acclimate to the culture. You know, English, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, Cubans, we love baseball. You know, so uh, back then we were the little O's uh, for the Baltimore Orioles. There was no team in Miami uh -huh. back then. So we would follow my grandfather. My dad and I would follow the little Orioles and go to their games in the old uh, beat up uh, stadium in, in downtown Miami. Uh, and then slowly learning other new things like, um, you know, the Miami Dolphins, right? Learning about football and and being now a fan for 50 years, you know. But, you know, those were, those were the things that you got used to. But you still had, you know, your Cuban culture, the music, the food, uh, Calle Ocho. We lived near there. We lived on 17th and 8th Street is the Calle Ocho. So a lot of the flavor uh, was still there embedded in, in, in the Miami community. So when also with your father... Um, did he, did he practice architectural design 
all the way in Cuba or when he got here? Well, yes. Uh, very interesting. Uh, you know, uh, my son Ricardo and I, we wrote his obituary when he, when he passed away mm -hmm. a couple of months ago. And we looked into some of the history. And for example, um, he went to, uh, believe it or not, Villanova had opened a school in, in Havana. And it, only, and it closed uh, right as Fidel took over the country. So my dad, there was only two classes that graduated from that university wow. in Havana. You know, now you could go to Philadelphia, right, and go to school up there. But uh, uh, And he, he got a prize. He was one of the top uh, uh, students. And at the time, uh, he got a prize and a trip to South America in the late 50s when, um, when, for example, Brazil had just built their modern city, Brasilia, which is the capital of Brazil. And, and, and you, you, you think about that. What a trip. You know, a young, a young architect, young guy, 21, 22 years old, going to a place like Brasilia, you know, brand new, an amazing modern city in the jungle, learning about that. Uh, he went to Argentina, Colombia. It was a really nice trip. And then he came back and he got offered a nice job in what you would call the equivalent of HUD here, you know, with urban development across mm -hmm. the country in Cuba. But uh, the government was changing. And I'll never forget this. He told this to me many times before he passed away. He said, I have a great opportunity in this country, but if I stay here, the government will take you when you're five years old, you know, and start working on your mind and in schooling and, and reprogram you as a communist. And I don't want you or any of my other children, you know, to be, uh, to lose freedom. You know, we cherish freedom here in America. We live in the greatest country in the world. Uh, and so because of the fears of freedom, uh, he took a great job. He left it and he brought my mom and I and he, we came to the States, you know. You know, this show is, uh, it's all about the hustle, the grind that to get to from one point to another. Speak a little bit about the hustle that you saw your father because it sounded like he hustled a lot. He hustled a lot. He, you know, he was a very talented architect too. He, um, old school, you know, the draw by hand and um, the renderings, the perspectives, you know, in color, beautiful. In fact, he used to do watercolors and and beautiful paintings as a hobby too. And um, a very hard worker. At one point, he had a he had a, a partner that also did construction. So back in the day, in the late sixties, early seventies, they would uh, build little two story apartment buildings in Miami. Opalaca, Miami, uh, off of uh, Coral Gables, you know, and and that was a little thriving business that he had. You know, he had uh, by the time he left for Costa Rica in 1973, he had uh, six employees, and he sold the business to the top two guys in the office, and then he moved with this multinational company down to Costa Rica for seven years. So, also, did you? I'm assuming he's the one that inspired you to be an architect or was it really a passion that you had from the beginning? You know, it's very interesting. I remember, well, it was a passion. Uh, I actually like two things. I love the architecture and uh, growing up doing high school in Costa Rica, I love nature. So at one point I thought I wanted to be like a, a marine biologist because I love the ocean and I love to go fishing and, and, you know, be in the water and all that. But I ended up with architecture because I really loved it. I remember um, my dad designed a very modern house in a historic neighborhood in Miami in the late sixties and he designed it with an office up front. So we lived in the back and there was a little office. So we'd sneak into the office and grab the markers and the right. paper. And, and so I got a, I got the bug, you know, of architecture back then as a young kid, you know, 10, 10, 12 years old, 12 years old. Right. And, and growing, you say you did high school in Costa Rica. What is the experience in Costa Rica? Oh like? my God. Well, back then, back in the seventies, it was an amazing place. It was not, uh, it was very small a place, uh, very lush, beautiful mountains. The valley, Central Valley is where people live and work, most of the people. 
Uh, but within a couple of hours, you could be on the Atlantic Ocean or you could be in the Pacific Ocean. You know, so there's many places we used to, you know, we, we do some surfing, we go camping, uh, a lot of outdoor activities, you know, beautiful place. Uh, in fact, one third of the country is protected by national parks. So they're one of the greenest pla places in the planet. Was there somewhere you think you'd retire one day? Um, well, <laughs> my wife is Colombian, so uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's uh, you know, Colombia is another beautiful country, right? So, um, and so is North Carolina. You know, I've got an affinity. We like to go uh, camping there every year. We've been going up there for 20 years in the summer. And so um, I think South Florida will always be my main home, my HQ. Uh -huh. But uh, maybe visit up to North Carolina or Colombia or Costa Rica. Yeah, that, that would be fun. <laughs> so you decided after high school, you guys moved back to the States? That, that's right. So uh, we moved back to the States. I did a stint. Uh, I did a little bit of college uh, one year in Guatemala. I went up to Guatemala to wait, check wait, architecture. Wait, wait. Like, <laughs> so Cuba. Yeah. The United States. Mm -hmm. Atlanta. Costa Rica. Guatemala. <laughs> Guatemala. Anything else? Uh, well, then I got back to one year and then I got back to Miami and I went to Miami Dade College. Uh, it was a state call. It was a junior college back then. It's a, it's a nice state college. Now it's really grown immensely over the last. So before you go there, like why was traveling? Was it that you guys travel so much? Well, um, architects, you know, we love to travel. We love to go look at historic, in my case particular, I love to go see historic places. But you guys end up moving there. Yeah, it seems yes. like it wasn't just going and coming back. It yeah. was going and staying. Yes. Yeah, so, so okay. So in Costa Rica, we left, my parents left for Miami because there was um, another communist intrusion next door in Nicaragua. So the work kind of, the workflow kind of slowed down to almost nothing. So they said, let's go back to Miami. And here we go again, starting up again a third time. And How was I, that for you, though? Sorry to cut well, you off. Yeah, that was, you know, that was painful. He had built another beautiful house in Costa Rica. We had a beautiful split-level house and creek and monkeys in the backyard. I mean, it was a very amazing place. And um, he had to let go of that and let go of his little business that he was building in Costa Rica because uh, with the threat of the Civil War in Nicaragua, you know, architecture kind of came to a complete stop. And so uh, they went to Miami and I went to Guatemala to study for, for a year. Like I thought what it was made, like, how did that? Because before the Nicaragua situation, I had graduated from high school and the best school for architecture, the Harvard of Central America was called the American uh, University in, in Guatemala. So I applied there, I got in. And so I said, yeah, I want to go to the best school in Central America. And, and I moved to Guatemala for a year. So, all right. So, <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. But- so uh, tell me a little bit more about college. How was that college experience? Well, um, let's see. So uh, Guatemala, like similar to Costa Rica, a little, little different because they're more, uh, their government back then was more of a semi-military type government. You know, a lot of that happens in South America, uh, but beautiful country too. You know, volcanoes. Uh, they, they also have uh, pyramids up in the northern uh, Quetzal, the northern section of the country. And they have spectacular beaches on the Pacific uh, side too. So uh, uh, a lot of hard work, you know, you had to study a lot, um, had a little uh, uh, little bit of funds that I get from my parents to help me every month. So manage money carefully, you know, to, to make sure you have enough to cover your, your expenses and work hard, study hard, you know? And uh, it was a great experience for a year. Um, a lot of, uh, because my parents moved to Miami and because the government was starting to also get some issues with uh, left-leaning uh, gorillas and things like that. Uh, I decided to move back to, to Florida in 1980. 
And then did you finish school? You said you also went to D.C. for Yes. So I finished. I got two degrees in Washington, D.C. I went up there in 1982 after being at Miami-Dade for a little, for two for a year and a half. And I got a degree in uh, a Bachelor of Science in Architecture and then a professional uh, degree in Architecture from Catholic University in 1985. And did you you work for any firms before? Yes, I did. So uh, it's interesting. Back in, um, when I moved in 1980, uh, my dad was back working again with his old firm and I, uh, I did a little bit of internship there. worked a little bit, uh, with him. I worked with a wonderful interior designer, a guy named, uh, Dennis Jenkins in, uh, 1982, 1981, who did the interior design for back in the day, Southeast bank in downtown Miami, uh, Southeast tower, which is the one with a little cutout corners, one of the original skyscrapers in Miami. And that was a lot of fun, a lot of learning. Uh, there before I moved to DC. And in DC, I also had a part-time job, you know, because, you know, with six brothers and sisters, right. And my (laughs) parents, you know, struggling with a small business, I had to find, you know, everything, you know, uh, grants, student loans. Uh, I had a little part-time job drafting, drawing in a, in an architectural office uh, in, in downtown Washington. Um, Interesting side story at the time, this firm, I forget the name of the firm, but they were designing, they were well known for designing subways, like the Metro system in in, uh, in DC. They were doing the one for Baghdad, Iraq. So it's kind of cool, you know, years Whoa. later, right? Right. Working on the little, you know, bathroom and stair details for uh, for these uh, major uh, uh, subway system uh, designed from a firm in, in Washington. So really interesting uh, mix of experience with Absolutely. small firms and, and bigger firms as I went through school and educated and got my education. So after school, what was next for you? Well, I knew, uh, oh, uh, interesting story. I'm on a platform waiting for the train. It's February. Mm -hmm. and um, Which is cold. Which is cold already. And I've got all the winter clothes I can wear, right? Layers and everything. (laughs) On the platform, there's this beautiful science says, come to Florida. (laughs) (laughs) Right there and then, you knew. It was 17 degree, Beethoven. It was so freaking cold. I said, you know what? I'm going back home, you know? And I got some nice job offers, uh, RTKL, which was a big firm in Baltimore. I got a nice job there offer and another one in Washington. But uh, I really wanted to come home. I, might, I mean, I really wanted since day one, I wanted to have my own practice, my own, with, work with my you, dad. You believe because of what you saw your father doing automatically made you feel like I want to own something? Yes. Yes. Even though it was hard and, and, and there were ups and downs, our business is very roller coaster. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we don't, it's not steady. It goes up and down. I did want to come back. Uh, I wanted to get experience. So I got a job in uh, North Palm Beach, my first job uh, for about a year and a half. And then I got a job in West Palm for another year and a half. And then after three years, I was making contacts, you know, business development uh, mm-hmm. through Sunfest. Uh, when I first got here in 1985, I met, I met, I volunteered in Sunfest. And uh, it's very true what they say, you know, if you volunteer and you give to the community, the community gives back to you. Speak a little bit about that. Yeah, well, I've, that's my mantra. I've always practiced that, you know. So we do either a lot of nonprofit work. Um, we did the Martin Luther King Memorial in West Palm Beach uh, and a lot of other work for different agencies and 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 nonprofits and board, you know, participate in boards. And it always, you know, I mean, you do it because you love it. You don't expect anything back, but it's it's interesting how it always- The more you give. The more you give, it's amazing. It really is true. The more you give back. It's it, in my 30 uh, I've been at it now for 34 years at REG and it's, it really does come back, you know? So it's really, I, I, I love this community. It's my home now. I've been here for, you know, uh, 37 years. Uh, that's more than half of my lifetime. Right. So, um, uh, Palm Beach County is, is a great place, uh, to be involved Absolutely. in the community, you know? So I, 
what one thing that I'm noticing that you your father worked hard and always had some reason he had to move to another level. You yes. Know? Started from Cuba. Yes. And he had the same thing in Costa Rica. And then was that part of the reason you believe you wanted to come together with him and hold him down and be and build his family business? In a way, yes. It's funny you say that because I I after college I was done. I was tired of moving around. So I really wanted to find a place, stick a place where I could just live. Um, I remember looking at West Palm and saying, okay, it's two hours from West Palm. Uh, you know, do just half a circle, right? And you can get up to Fort Pierce and down to Homestead and west to maybe even Orlando, right? So it was a good center of of work. Um, Only architect look at it like that. Like that, right? <laughs> Only you guys. My goodness. Right, right? And, and, and for work opportunity and having the bug of, my dad loved historical buildings too. And having that bug, you know, for historical places. I mean, imagine going to school as a young guy in Washington, D.C., right? There's so many historical buildings. There's such great planning, urban planning. I mean, the, the city is an amazing place. Uh, in fact, I had to pick between uh, Catholic U, UF, and Notre Dame. Notre Dame was, you know, great school, but it was very isolated. UF More was cold, awesome. very cold. <laughs> UF was a great school, but in Gainesville. And I thought, you know, my mom was kind of like saying, you know, you should go to the bigger place, you know, because it's got urban planning and it's got historic. So I, I owe a lot to my mom for my education. All along, she always uh, guided me to take the better choice in terms of uh, uh, educational opportunities, you know, so I followed through with that. Was she highly educated or just? Yeah, well, yes. My Well, my dad got his degree, but my mom, because of what happened in Cuba, mm -hmm. she was one semester away from graduating as an accountant. But education was still super important. To yes, always. In fact, uh, another thing she said to me once when I was like 12 or 13 years old, she said to me, you know, Rick, we've lost everything in Cuba. Uh, but the one thing that they could not take away from us was what's inside our head, what's in our mind, what we learn, our education. And that's why you hear a lot of moms, right? You know, Hispanic moms, African-American moms, every mom, right? Saying, get an education, son, get an education, daughter, because, you know, it's very true. They can't take that away from you. And that made an impression on me as a young, you know, middle schooler. I said, well, okay, I'll definitely I'll, I'll study empowerment. hard empowerment right and study hard go to a harder a tougher uh all boys high school with a lot of you know like prep school where i had to study harder than my friends you know but it set me up for college and and for work so i want to go back to your father when you came down back home yes your father started his business when you said i, I want to know a little bit more about how about important that, that was to you okay so all right so he came back uh, from costa rica in 1980 to miami and he was down there for about three years. Uh, out of serendipity, he got a job in West Palm. Uh, there was a company oh. hiring, um, uh, I forget the name of the firm. It was an Italian architect here in town. Uh, and he um, he got that they needed a, a senior designer. So he came, he, he commuted. And I had an aunt that lived in West Palm. Hustling. So he would come, man, he would drive up uh, Mondays, you know, work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and spend two nights at my aunt's house. And Thursday late, he'd go back down to Miami. And he did that for a couple of years. Um, uh, actually, more. He did it for four years, so 84 till 88. And then he was also- First of all, one second. Yep. How do you remember all these years? <laughs> like, you're like spitting them out, like 84, 82, 85. Like, wow, those are memorable years, man. I'm impressed. But get, sorry to cut you I, off, but go I, ahead. I guess, well, I guess in part, Beethoven, because- um, you know, he passed away two months ago, mm -hmm. and and my my son Ricardo and I worked on his um, on his obituary, 
And so you go back and you think, you know, and you. That's how you, you start remembering. You know what I'm saying? You go back and look at the history. History is what connects us all. You know, it's our history of family, our history of place, you know, and it's, and it's important to go back to history, right? Because you learn from it, the it past. Builds. Absolutely. You apply it to the present and you hope for a better future, right? So, um, so that's my last. I'm cutting you off. I want you to finish that. You business with your yeah, dad. So okay. So he I'm not was. Cut you off no more, he was working. Time. He was working for uh, this other firm. Oh, Salamone and Associates. Pat Salamone was the guy's name, and he uh, and and uh, that guy retired. He left town. Uh, he was working at FAU. Uh, in their uh, architecture department where they supervise the, all, you know, FAU's grown three decades, right? So supervising the new buildings. Uh, he loved that job. He, he was there for quite a while uh, and hustling like myself. We were both uh, part-time adjunct teachers at Palm Beach State College. I oh. was teaching a design class and he was teaching perspective, how to draw uh, at a time, you know, oh. and, and making a little bit of money there so that we could then start our own business. So that would take care of giving us a, a little bit of basic money, you know, to get us going. Because we started REG with no money. We had a little office space. Uh, remember a wonderful guy and a guy named uh, Granny Webb and and Paul Warner, uh, who had Touchstone Web Realty. They're still around. Susan Thomas runs the agency. And, and he rented us a little office, maybe twice the size of your space over here. Uh, and just to get us up and running back in 1980, um, 1988. And uh, we were there for a little while. Then Tom said, hey, I've got a building in, on Clamata Street, the Como building, and there's a space available on the second floor. And we took that space. And we what, year was, what year you guys moved That down? was late 1988, early 1989. So how was that feeling that you had when you first started this firm with your father? It was exciting. You know, we had to build all the, we built all the furniture like you got of over course. here, right? So you built all the space. Um, uh, we had, uh, he was always uh, quiet and uh, dedicated to the drafting, to the drawing. And I like to do some drawings, but I also like to do marketing, you know, and, and go meet people. So we met through, also through the real estate company, we would get some leads from them. So hustle, go get the leads, go talk to people. You know, really early on back then, I mean, um, I was 27. I looked 17. So, <laughs> trust me, having my dad in his mid-50s, you know, uh, with me made a big difference because people would look at me and go, like, you're just a kid. kid. There's this kid here, you know? And I'm like, no, we can draw it. Seriously, look, I've got the- <laughs> Look, I got the old man with me. I got me. an aircraft carrier right, right here, right? He can do anything you want to do, right? right? Which was true. He could draw anything you wanted to draw, Beethoven. The man was really, really, really talented. And, um, and that's how we started, you know, the early years, 88, 89. I mean, we moved to Clematis Street uh, when at five o'clock you had to go get your car and get the hell out of there because it was a dangerous place. It was a different place. It's a different place. I'm, I, the women had to be escorted to their cars and, uh, and there was nothing after five. I mean, there was like a tumbleweed down the street, you know, it was just. Wow, to you know? see where it's at now, that had right? to be unbelievable. The 90s, so you're talking 30 years ago. You know, it didn't really start hopping until 92, 93. That's when the first couple of prop buildings got renovated. Um, and then uh, Nancy Graham became the mayor, a strong mayor. The changing government helped a lot the city. And and look at it now, right? It's it's, it's booming and it's all up, right? Even Riviera Beach, we're busy up here in Lake Park and all the way up to Jupiter, right? It's it's a, it's Game an amazing change. time to, to be in, in Palm Beach County. So what's some of the changes? Like with the business, when you guys first got started in the business, what was some of the ups and downs, you know, the trial and error that you guys went through? Because it's not easy just running the business. It, it is. It isn't, right? Uh, you have to, um, 
you really have to pursue things. Um, I remember um, uh, doing some of the private work. Uh, a friend of mine, a mentor said, you should go get some public work too. And I was like, oh yeah. And I was like, you know, well, why? You know, and he worked for the county, Dean Ellis, retired architect. Uh, and he said, because the private side sometimes stops, you know, because of recessions and things like that. And the public work, you know, usually keeps moving, you know. So uh, that was great advice. Uh, today, uh, about 40% of our business is public work. So we do a lot of, we do a lot of school board work for Palm Beach County, uh, do work for the city, uh, Sunset Lounge. We're just finishing that up for uh, the West Palm Beach and, and other communities. Uh, work here in Riviera Beach too, and um, that that and public tip, work's very important to have. Yeah, that. I was gonna say that yeah. that tip someone gave you. Yep. Like how is two things that information that they gave you speak a little bit more about how much it changed the perspective it, of the business, and also how important is it for you to do that now? You know, and and it was really it was really a, a game changer because to be honest with you, and I'll share this with you. Uh, I had just met, uh, this was back in 95, 90, around 95. I just met uh, Donald Trump at the time. And through a friend of mine, Wes Blackman, who used to work for the city as a planner, and he went to work for Mr. Trump to convert the house to a, a club. And I had just, uh, we had beaten a couple of other firms, my dad and I, and got the assignment to work at Mar-a-Lago. And it was because my dad did these beautiful renderings with palm trees and buildings. And Mr. Trump said, whoa, those are beautiful palm trees. You know, I want, I want you to, you know, I love the work. Keep working with us, you know. And so I shared this with Dean Ellis, the, the county architect. And he says, you know, Rick, that's great that you have work for a big guy like that, right? But just keep in mind, you know, that, um, that there'll be times when he won't have work to do, and which is true, or, or other private work. You should definitely go and apply here for Palm Beach County work. And that was like, you know, I thought, I still remember the thought, you know, saying, oh, you know, maybe he's right. Maybe, maybe it's not a bad idea, you know? And uh, I got a couple of uh, projects uh, with the city of West Palm, a, a couple of park projects with Palm Beach County, small projects, you know, back in 92 and 93. And, um, and so slowly started building the public sector work, which was not easy. I mean, you're small minority business, you know, um, uh, and you're competing. Most architectural firms were very large, very well established at the time. Uh, and to get a lucky break, you know, even on Clamata Street, our first building, um, the Harris Music Loss, which is an uh, apartment complex that we did back in 93, 94. Uh, it was a, a bigger firm had it, but they didn't want to deal with the mess of dealing with a historic building. And I just jumped all over that just to get a shot. So being, uh, you know, talking to Nancy Graham, you know, hey, you know, introduce me to the Boston developer who bought the building. So relationships was so big. Relationships for you. always is very important when you're starting a business. You've got to be knocking the door. You know, you you work after hours. You know, but if you have a breakfast to go to or a lunch, right, or a chamber meeting, you know, you got to be out there. You got to be meeting people. You can't be timid. You know, you can't be shy. You know, so, uh, but but you have to be good at what you do. Like I, um, in our business, in our field of architecture, there are big big firms, and there are a lot of little lo lone wolf, you know, one or two man firms. That's very hard. Because a one-man firm has to, you know, draw the drawings, send the invoices, go collect the money, go find, you know. But I like my size. You know, we've always fiddled between 17 and 24 people. It's a good size where multiple people do multiple things, you know. We work like a team, you know, like an orchestra. So it's really good to, to have that. You you have to have people looking for work, like, like myself, uh, Ricardo, you know, and other people managing the work. My partner, Manny, does a great job with that, you know. 
and then having serious senior project managers that can then get the work done, you know? So, so what, what is like, what, what are a couple of tips that you would give someone that's in business or starting a business that they need that you weren't probably told when you first got started? Oh boy. Um, I wish, I wish in college they would have taught more business class. I think that's really one thing that was lacking both. Uh, and, and all the, and I went to four schools. I went to one year in Costa Rica, one year in Guatemala, a year and a half in Miami, and then uh, two and a half in DC. And none of them had uh, business courses, you know, how to set up a business, right? How to You're run talking a, about for your field. Yeah, yes. For the field of architecture, right? A professional. There was a couple of small classes, but they never got into the weeds of like how to write a contract. You know, Hey, if you haven't been paid in 30 days, you know, you, you need to stop working or send a letter, you know, a notice so you can get paid because if you keep working on non-paying jobs, what's going to happen, right? There's no money, there's no gas coming in and your car's going to run out of gas. You're not going to be able to continue to work, you know? So having learning that the hard way at the beginning, you know, multiple times of doing work for people that did not pay their bill, you know, when when I was starting out and um because, you know, I remember one guy was a beautiful condo project on Jupiter Island back in 89, right? After a few years year after we started and we drew and we drew and, and nothing happened. So it was a, a hard lesson to learn, uh, very early. Uh, another early lesson learned was, um, uh, we did these two beautiful polo. We've done a lot of polo and equestrian projects since the late eighties. You know, we did two of these for, uh, a developer and one of his clients. And, um, he ended up getting, uh, upset with the contractor because he didn't like how the tile worked on the floor. So, sued him and then collateral damage, you know, by association. So that was a tough lesson to learn, you know, luckily knock on wood, never been to court on a project, always been able to solve. That's another thing. Don't be stubborn to the point where, um, you can't solve a problem. It's only business. You got to remember it's business at the end of the day. It's not personal. You know, you might think that client, you know, is, is going after you. No, they're not, you know, they're unhappy. Okay. Part ways, you know, get out of there with the minimum loss that you can get, right? And go work on your other project. Worst thing a young architect architect can do is go spend time in court. First of all, it's going to tear you down every morning, right? You're going to wake up with that cloud over your head, right? Dealing with uh, court, dealing with judges and attorneys. No, man, cut cut that loss, cut your arm off, and then go focus on finding two or three new jobs, right? And move on. You know, we 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 tend to our profession uh, is a very noble profession, and it takes a it takes a lot of uh, a, a lot of sweat and tears. You really put into it a lot. You know, um, you know. Sometimes I use a I love to use my dolphins. You know, as a way <laughs> to say, you know, you're like, you know, you got a new year. You know, you got a new team, and you know, and sometimes you get, you know, how hard those professional players train, right? Architects do the same thing. We prepare. Our plans very carefully work very hard to get a successful uh, uh, project at the end of the day, right? A beautiful new building or historic building renovated and saved or or a house for someone to live, you know, or an apartment, you know. I mean, it's a lot of good things that we do. And so you got to take the negative, put it in a little box and ch- chuck it, right? And just we'll keep it moving. Keep it moving forward. Don't look back, right? I mean, that's that's really, I think, uh, smart, a small business, if you can learn the business side, if you can avoid litigation and avoid getting stuck in the weeds on a, with a problematic client, you know, move on. There's going to be a lot more work, you know, after, after that situation, you know? So, so you said something that was, that was a real thing, man. There was no way of learning how to create the contracts, the proposals and all these things that people have to do in business that once you get out and you have your degree, 
you gotta you gotta figure those things. Like, what did you do to to get to that point? Well, one of the things that I did eventually, <clears throat> I had a good uh, accountant and a good lawyer that helped me. Like, uh, I remember, boy, now you're taking me back, right? Thirty years, nineteen eighty. <laughs> we we know you know the year. Oh my God, I remember the first time. Um, I forgot her name. Lo Lady lawyer helped our office, and she helped us. Um, set up a format, a standard contract, you know, how to, what pieces to have in the contract, how to use it. And we've basically been following that template for 30 years. I mean, we've tweaked it over time, you know, but mm. uh, the same thing with the bookkeeping, accounts receivables, you know, and uh, collections and accounts payable and all those things that uh, uh, it's so much easier nowadays, man. Everything's on your phone, right? I Absolutely. mean, here's my office, right? This is my right. office. Everything Absolutely. is here. You can look at your accounts. You can look at everything. But back then, you know, with paper and making sure that at the end of the week, everything lined up at the end of the month, you know, you were ready for the next month and, and don't fall too far behind. Always. That was always the mantra. Right. And back in the day, back in 88, 89, we had a little bit of a recession, kind of like, you know, a soft one, like the one that we kind of mm -hmm. supposed to be having this year, next year. Right. And so being very cautious, you know. Um, I remember early 2000, we had another one. The big one was 2007, right? That was brutal, brutal, lost a lot of money, cut a lot of employers and employees, went down to eight people and, th and thinking, I'll never forget, uh, December, 2007 saying, oh my God, you know, we're never going to make it to 2008 and then never going to make it to 2009, you know, and you fall deep in the hole, but 10 years later, you know, things are good. You know, things are rocking. How now. was the last hit for you guys with COVID? Uh, you know, COVID was very interesting. Um, COVID, you kind of go into, I remember two years ago, right, uh, March, um, I had just finished a really nice uh, presentation at the chamber of the Palm Beach Chamber at the Breakers. It was great timing. I just did a lecture on a trip to Havana that I did in 2016. It went great. It was late January and then Boom! Right, I had I had to go speak in February at a uh, in, in Immokalee for a for a, ga a big historic thing. It got canceled. I remember it was like March, whatever it was, twelfth or thirteenth, and it was bizarre, right? Because all of a sudden the whole world shut down, right? And so, COVID, we went into high alert. You know, we're again small group of architects in the office, uh, weekly meetings. Okay, what are we going to work on? Let's make sure we're working on things that are going to pay, and because it was an unknown char uncharted waters, right? We were all like, okay, what do we do? And and safety, you know, uh, luckily we had a space, a uh, very large office space, so we could spread out, you know, and um, and then we started to do a little bit of rotations in terms of working out of the office and in the office, but just being focused, being laser focused to make sure that we come on the other side, right? And we had bought an office space in the Guarantee Building, which is a historic 100-year-old building in downtown that had been converted to office condos. So we had just bought them two years earlier, mm. and we moved in April. It was across the street from Clematis. So we were on Clematis. We moved the block to Daytura, and uh, we did all new furniture, thank God, to you know all new systems with uh, dividers, with separation, with with glass. So it was really, it was almost like, you know, set up preparing for, for, for COVID in a way, right? Our conference room had a, had a, a larger section next to it. That was like a reception area. We did not put pocket doors in between. We left it all open. So when we'd have meeting, instead of everybody jammed around the conference table, it was two, two office spaces. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So we did a lot of that just to make sure uh, people were safe. We did have a couple of big scares, like, you know, people getting sick myself, you know, twice and, and many other people.
you know, but uh, you know, the government, uh, you know, get, came through with a P with a P three PPP program, right? That was really helpful, uh, and uh, and we stay busy, you know. Uh, I think uh, uh, Keith James, the mayor of West Palm, did a great job, you know, keeping, uh, they were going to shut down architecture and construction. I remember this story. And uh -huh. uh, Dennis Grady, the, cha the, the, the chairman of the uh, Chamber of Commerce, and other leaders went to the mayor and said, you can't shut down construction, man. I mean, there's too many people working in the industry. So they made it essential. And we kept working. Because if that, I'm telling you, Beethoven, that's a game. That, that would have been like, all bets are off. You know, we're all going into uh, foreclosure here. What, right. what God knows what, you know. So I kept, uh, I kept twenty people busy, and oh, wow, they all got good. their paychecks every two weeks. You know, so uh, not, didn't miss a beat. You know, that's awesome. And so, and then the governor too. You know, Governor DeSantis, uh, and there that shows you right. It was great, right? A Democrat, Keith James, and a Republican mm -hmm. DeSantis. What Still do they do? They're working for Florida, and then the cities of Florida, Miami. You know, the mayor of Miami did a hell of a job. Keith in uh, West Palm. Riviera, you know, up and down the coast, people said, no, Florida, we're going to stay open and with care, with carefulness, mm -hmm, right? Absolutely. And um, did that for two years, right? And here we are, right? Still flowing. Still flowing, right? Still so there flowing. was. So now I want to get into this um, legacy because now your son's in a room with us. Yes. Like, you know, I don't know if you guys have, uh, you have other children, you and your- Yes, four. Right? We have four. Have four. Uh-huh. Which, which, another thing, because- I want to talk about the importance of your wife being part of the business. Yes. Because you saw your mom doing it and working in the business with your father. Now, your wife started off with you, working with you, and building this business with you. Speak a little bit about that. Yeah. So, so Brigitte's been with us working now uh, over uh, over two years. Uh, she was working for Dave Arenberg, state attorney's office, um, there for, uh, for quite a while. I think 17 years or something like that. Uh, but then, you know, when COVID hit, um, uh, she's, she was a lawyer in Colombia and she wanted to get her licensing here in the States, which is very difficult when you, when you study abroad, any profession, architect, accountant, attorney. Mm -hmm. And she, she did that for a while, but then everything shut down all the schools. So she Yikes. couldn't do that. And she, so she started by volunteering, coming in to help. The big move that I told you from Clematis to the yeah, I didn't even know you guys moved from there. Oh That's my god! And we had you know offer up is great by the way. She she, yeah, she, she went she was the offer up queen. She did all of that. Remember Rick <laughs> Ricardo and uh, she was there for a couple of months. What we were in the new office, she was in the old office, just meeting people and and getting it done. You know, selling stuff for twenty cents on the dollar, right? Just to empty the old space because it was a rental space. And game we had changer. To, we had to return it. Uh, and that was great when we finally walked in one day and she showed me the office was clean and empty and that's it. Sign, sign the it's space over. away and then focus in our, in the future, right? Our new space, you know? So and I, she I, runs the office now. She's our office manager. Which now. is amazing. I think yeah. wanna, I want to touch on with that, the legacy of having your children involved with the business. Yes. Now. Yes. You know, speak a little bit about that. Yes. Um, if I may, before that, please, go ahead. just a little detail. We had structural change this year. So, um, my partner for 20 years, after my dad, he retired uh, for 20 years. I had a partner, uh, Colin Price, a South African guy, nice guy. He retired in January. My assistant for 10 years, uh, Darcy Ann Henry, retired after 10 years because of COVID. She got nervous with COVID and her husband Absolutely. being older in his 70s. So she said, you know what? I've been, I'm in my 60s. I need to go do something else. My accountant died from cancer in February, right? So, uh, so we had structural, you know, massive structural, and then my father died in, 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 um, in July Wow! and Ricardo joined us in, uh, uh April 1st 
And and it was his wish, by the way. He said he reached out to me. He's crazy. He's crazy. You know, just like when yeah. I went to school, by the way, because my dad said to me, "Now you don't have to go to architecture school." <laughs> right, and my mom right. said the same thing. You can study if you want to be a biologist. Go do that. You know, you know. You sure you want to be an architect? Don't do it because we're telling you. you no, know? do it because you love it or you want to do it. You know. So he came to me and he said the same thing. He said, "No, you know, I want to help the business. I've seen what you and Grandpa have done. I want to keep the legacy going." And um, that made me very proud and very happy because, you know, you do spend, uh, you know, your life, a lot of sweat and tears in the business. And even though I have a great young partner in Manny, he's a, he's a 15 years younger than me, so he can carry on. It's good to have the family name, you know, involved still in the process, Absolutely. right? And, and, and I say to Ricardo, he's actually smarter because he didn't study architecture. He studied business. <laughs> so now he's involved in the business of architecture, which is helping to make us uh, more successful. And so uh, he's a fast learner. He's been with us now six months, you know, and, um, and I see him and Manny eventually, you know, uh, leading the firm. And I would love to uh, uh, eventually take a secondary position, you know, and continue to do what I really love to do, which is to talk about historic places in Florida, uh, with, uh, historic preservation, uh, outreach, um, uh, maybe a little bit of teaching, uh, maybe, um, you know, uh, continue to, to find those kind of projects, you know, continue to be a rainmaker for the office, but, you know, be able to spend some more time on, on the future, on the history of Florida, because it's, it's under threat. There's the good news and there's bad news, right? There's a too much development going on and, and not and very little of it, very little of it is, is of very good quality. Like when things were built a hundred years ago, which was very high quality. Now it's reversed. Now we have a lot of low quality and very little high quality. You know, so I want to be able to uh, uh, while I still can breathe and talk and think. You know, uh, remind people of what a great state we have, and let's not uh, let's not overbuild it or overpave it. You know, make sure we have room for for our natural environment and our historic uh, resources too. So you said there is good and bad. Could you speak a little bit about, I want to know a little bit about both about that, bro. Okay. So, uh, okay. So good and bad, uh, good things, you know, for example, uh, Clematis Street, right? I mean, 30 years ago was dangerous place, right? Uh, most of urban Palm Beach County was dangerous, right? Both here in the coast and out in the glades, right? Uh, that's the bad part. The good part is that, uh, it slowly has changed, right? To a very nice positive, uh, West Palm Beach uh, has stabilized quite a bit and Clematis is growing. Uh, another little bit of bad is some of the historic buildings are being changed in not a good way. They're not being done properly. So we're losing some of the historic character of, of West Palm Beach. And so that's important to protect that. Like they do, for example, in Palm Beach, they do a hell of a job protecting their historic buildings. So we could learn from Palm Beach in West Palm. Um, changes in places like Lake Worth, you know, where there's, it's been stagnant, but now the Gulfstream Hotel is coming back, you know, and they're, they're doing good things in Lake Worth. Uh, and, uh, and down in Boynton Beach, where we do a lot of work too, Boynton Beach and Riviera Beach are, I call them the sisters that got left behind, right? But now they're like, everybody is this rediscovering uh, Boynton Beach and Riviera, and we're working in both cities in the urban core. So, uh, so uh, but, but you see a lot of things, for example, uh, very, very large buildings, you know, which is the, I, I call it the Miamification of West Palm. And we should be very careful with that, you know, that uh, we don't become a city of uh, huge parking structures with huge buildings above. Because really cities, city life is is made from the ground level to maybe five, six stories. That's what the human eye can see and deal with, you know. And so having good buildings, active buildings that, uh, have uh, windows facing the streets that uh, are connected, right? Connect. You hear a lot about connectivity these days, walkability, 
uh, multimodal, you know, ways of getting around cities, not have to be in a car all the time, you know, trying to help, trying to help push for more of that and less of the, the, the gold rush of Miami, you know, where you go to Brickell or Biscayne, it's like one eighty story building after another, you know, and it's, it's, it's controlled chaos, but, um, it's, I think it's, it's dangerous with global warming and, and other issues, you know, a hurricane and other issues, you know, uh, uh, the transportation issues that, that you have to think things out, that you have to keep a good scale uh, in city. And I would like to, for Palm Beach County uh, to continue to be um, a charming place. You know, I like to think of West Palm. It's got a charming history. It's got a nice vibe to it. Water on the east, water on the west, you know, a lot of nature. Uh, we're surrounded, uh, you know, uh, Riviera has Peanut Island, Singer Island, right? We got so much nice stuff. Let's not lose it by over rampant overdevelopment. Let's make sure we can do it uh, in a in a in a reasonable reasonable manner. Why is preserving these buildings so important? Well, um, they bring soul. They have the soul of the place. And I'll give you an example. When we did the um, the old Methodist Church, which is called the Harriet, back when it was called City Place, today it's called the Square. So the Harriet was a 1920s historic church that became uh, on the ground floor. We put shops and cafes, and then we did an interactive multi-purpose hall. They've had weddings, high school graduations, jazz concerts, boxing, you name it, everything in there, right? So that becomes the tie to the past. It becomes, it's here it is 2022. That building was built 100 years ago, and it ties you to the, a place. It's, it's placemaking. It gives you the sense of place that uh, when all you have is new, 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 you lose your sense of place. You lose your, where did I come from, you know? And we can learn a lot from where we where we came from, right? It's uh, 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 Riviera Beach has a history of uh, conch settlers, right? Uh, from the islands, right? That's a very cool history, right? Uh, colorful architecture, the design, hardworking people, you know, in the boating industry and, and all that. <clears throat> you don't want to lose all of that. You want to make sure you always have that tie because those are the roots of a place, you know, uh, the courthouse, when we did the courthouse downtown, it was in the seventies wrapped in another building. So it was like mummified, right? So we took the wrapping apart and we put it back to its 1916 glory. It's a museum, right? The museum. And, uh, and what a legacy, right? That's a legacy project because we brought something that was completely gone, restored it, cleaned it up, right. And brought it back. And now families, school kids, seniors can come and learn about our history in that building, you know, and, and, and when you come from, and like, I think I heard once it's like 80% of people are from other parts. They're not from Palm Beach County, you wow. know, so a lot of people coming here from different parts, it's important for them to learn what this place was like, you know, yes. they're from Connecticut, they're from Pennsylvania, wherever they're from, you know, okay, now you're here, you know, invest here, spend your time and money here, but learn about, about our place, our history to so form our future, right? To, to uh, to uh, to um, allow us to have a positive in impact on our present and to guide us to our future. You know, very important. I think all uh, three parts. Absolutely. So, what's next for Rick? And yeah, what's next for Rick? What's next? Oh boy. <laughs> so we get a little secret. What's happening? All with right. Me. 
Okay, off record, right? Yeah, off record. Okay, it's the 50th anniversary of the Dolphins. The, oh, my. We're one and Here we go. Here <laughs> we go. My this four is, sons, I have two sons, and they're both brainwashed, right? I could only imagine, right? Because when I was 11, they had the parade on Calle Ocho, and I could hear the parade, and I was like, wow. You got hooked from there. Oh, from there on. Just like I got hooked in historic preservation when I was 19, right? So those are the two loves of my life, right? So I could only imagine. Last <laughs> week was amazing for you. Oh, it was wonderful in that stadium, and I we're season ticket holders, so we had a great, great time. Sweat it. was crazy, but it was it was fun. So what's next? Um, well, the firm's doing very well. We have phenomenal people. Uh, I, like I told you, Manny's my uh, my partner, my vice president, and we've got a couple of associates uh, coming online. So continue the transition the next 10 years. Um, to be honest, Beethoven, uh, you know, dream big. I started when I was 27. In uh, 50th anniversary would be when I'm 77 and history and anniversaries is something I can wrap my mind. So 16 years from now, uh, it would be a 50th anniversary. Uh, I don't expect to be working well, know, all I don't these know, hours, your father but my dad working. did. My dad did all the way to his mid 80s. So, uh, but I'd like to be more involved in the things that I mentioned, you know, the, the historic preservation, the urban renewal, urban planning, uh, you know, good architecture things and, and then have the team in the office develop the projects and not have to be involved in the day-to-day, -day, the business side of it, you know, to do more of the things that I love, you know, and whether it's, uh, I'm involved with a couple of uh, historic preservation activities at the University of Florida, uh, both at uh, St. Augustine and up in Nantucket. They have an Institute for uh, Historic Preservation. And so I love to uh, continue to do that. And uh, in, in that it's a great university, right? They're all over the world. Now they say, you know, the University of Florida is everywhere, right? And mm -hmm. they're coming to West Palm, wow. right? They're building a big campus in downtown West Palm. Maybe they'll have architecture and historic preservation. And I could get involved with that too, uh, you know, and, and watch the firm, watch uh, Manny and Ricardo, you know, take the firm to the next level. I, I, I've told them, you know, it's your oyster. You know, if you want to go from 20 to 50, have at it, right? Know. You know, I'm just, uh, I'll give you my guidance. I'll give you the best of my experience, right? Because that's how businesses transition. And I want to see them successful for the next 50 years. I think that would be a wonderful legacy. I think you got it, Rick, man. Okay, man. Oh, great job, man. Everything you're doing, Thank keep you. on doing it. Can't wait to see what Ricky create for you. Um, for this podcast you'll be creating soon yes. called History with Rick. Okay. See you later. I own the All name right. right, so don't forget that now. Have a good day. All right. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Thank you. See you guys later. All right.